Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 33, Act 2, Ted Saad, Introspective Dramaturgy, recorded August 13th, 2019, in New York City. So prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA community. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our global community. Help us spread the word about the podcast and tell a friend or a colleague to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There's great stuff there. And did you know we have a pod shop? Go to teachingartistry.org slash pod shop and buy yourself or a loved one a tea, a mug, a hoodie, or a tote. It's fun. It's fabulous. And it's fashionable. The podcast is proud to partner with Creative Generation again for our new weekly interview video series on YouTube called We Can't Go Back. The interview series focuses on the journeys of artists, educators, and community activists as they raise their consciousness in anti-racist, liberatory, and intersectional feminist practices through the arts. The time is overdue to examine, interrogate, and confront racist policies and systems rooted in white supremacy. I cannot begin to say how extremely proud I am to engage in these dynamic conversations with artists and arts leaders that I admire and love, um, and that these conversations hopefully will instigate necessary dialogue to improve practices in the field and help inform my own practice. Watch and subscribe to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body YouTube channel. So... Last week, I talked about the de- the Democratic uh, National Convention, and that ended, and that was sparky and interesting, and Joe Biden uh, kind of nailed his speech, so I'm feeling, you know, hopeful, at least. Um, there are still lots and lots of need for change and growth, and when I say change, I mean radical change, and um, I'm really hoping that instead of bickering, we can all recognize that and push the Democrats to really, um, move in a more radical way. Uh, so this week 
the Republican National Convention is taking place. And uh, no, I won't be watching it, but I'm sure I will hear news about it. And um, I think Ted is going to really enjoy that. Really love it. Speaking of Ted, <laughs> uh, the thing about I love, I just love Ted. Um, and that was a little bit of a joke, but, uh, Ted, you know, is a quite a critical thinker, uh, if you haven't been able to tell so far. Um, and over the years that I've known him, I've learned a great deal from him. And this conversation was no exception. Um, it was captured a year ago. I don't know if I said that before, but it was captured a year ago. And, um, when I, when it dropped last week on Facebook, Ted said he listened to it twice and he was like, wow, that conversation was really prescient. Um, and so in this act, we discuss racism in the arts field, uh, his family, both biological and chosen. And of course we talk more about politics and we discuss that a revolution is necessary and a possible rapture. All I'm saying is what? Hmm. Lastly, I want to just note that it, I, I said it earlier that in my own journey, I am growing my consciousness in anti-racism and liberatory practices, as well as revolutionary love. And part of my critical consciousness growth journey is to better understand my proximity to whiteness, my proximity to power, my own power, and internalized racism. And so towards the end of this conversation, Ted asks me a provocative question that I wasn't surprised by at the time, but in re-listening to my answer, I feel I do get defensive. And I want to just note that, you know, that conversation, or at least that part, I mean, the whole conversation, obviously, but that part of the conversation has stuck with me in the last year since having since having it. And while maybe in the moment it was hard to hear the criticism, Ted gave me a gift, um, planting a seed so that I could grow a chance to grow at least. And for that, I am thankful. Here is episode 33, act two, Ted Saad, introspective dramaturgy. Listen, all I know is that there's more work to be done. And I feel the bottom line is empathy. I don't know if the dominant culture, I think these desperate, I've been saying, you know, with the political monstrosities, I, I've been saying to people, there's nothing more frightening than a desperate white man. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, everything they've done is diabolical. They've disenfranchised people of color from voting. They're trying to keep brown people out of the country. They've they've stolen everything since time immemorial. You know, my father went to 10th grade, and I went to them, Daddy, are you a Republican or a Democrat? He said, Teddy, the Republicans steal everything the Democrats steal half. Hmm. 10th grade. To me, that's right on the money. So, you know, it's like they never have enough. 
They so, always want more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's my dick is bigger than your dick because their dicks are so small. <laughs> I think they hated Obama because he's a black man uh. and they think all black men have big dicks. It's like so crazy to me mm-hmm. that they can't really embrace what this country is mm-hmm. and they have to demonize people and divide and conquer. You know, Courtney, it would be so easy for these billionaires and i say to this day there are only two reasons to vote for trump you're either a billionaire or a racist or both it would be so easy to take all that money how much fucking money do you need and let people have a decent life and build beautiful parks and let people be educated i mean the alternate universe would it would be so easy to do, and they don't want to do it. Mm. They're so rapacious. I'm just not like that. I wasn't born that way. I would wake up and go, what art can I make today? Not how much money can I fuck somebody out of? And I have lots of theories about why this happened. And if you want to hear one, I'll tell you. A long time ago, young people read mythology and fairy tales where it was fairly clear who was good and who was evil. And usually, um, you related to the people who were good or trying to do right. In the 50s and 60s, when there was good situation comedy, in 22 minutes and a half-hour sitcom with people, characters you fell in love with, there was a plot and a subplot in both of which the characters were trying to do the right thing. When reality TV started, it was all about who can I fuck to win? And this is what our children have grown up on, not to mention video games, which I don't understand, which seemed all about death and destruction and power and Mm. misogyny and whatever. Mm -hmm. But... I feel like there's no moral compass, you know? There's no understanding of what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that has something to do with empathy. And maybe I'm a dinosaur. But I, I really think this is the problem. And in my small little way, being a teaching artist, whether it's with adults or with children, Mm is to try to remedy that, to try to get people to see, you know, from another perspective and to understand that, you know, greed is one of the seven deadly sins. I don't know. It's like I keep all those Greek plays are about somebody with a lot of hubris coming to a really horrible end and Mm -hmm. I keep hoping that that's going to happen. Me too. But sometimes I think I'm just, you know, I'm out of I'm out of I'm out of it. I'm I'm I don't understand technology. I hate computers. I I, Ted, I often want to throw you have an AOL account. I now you have s- Gmail. Thing. You too. Finally. Finally. Well, because I got so many Viagra ads, I, I <laughs> even if I was 
the most sexually charged gay man in New York, Amazing. and I'm not. <laughs> I couldn't use that much Viagra in a day. Boy, oh boy. I got and and it's become like the the uh, what are those? Are they what are they called? Gmail and all those are those. Emails. They're like yeah. Email. What are they? Email, email addresses. Mm -hmm. It's become the email address of the Republicans. What AOL? Yes. Oh boy. America online. Make America great again. Oh. Yeah. No. So you know, I don't know if you have any Republican listeners, but I'm sure they've already turned me off <laughs> four hours ago. Because uh, I have no patience. <laughs> I I don't understand it. I don't understand the greed. I don't mm -hmm. understand the misogyny. I don't understand the homophobia, which I actually think homophobia is misogyny because they equate us with uh, women. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Have uh, I'm gonna say a term to you. I talk about it all the time on here and in my real life. Feminarchy. I think it's based in um, feminism, but but feminism. Uh, the connotation of it is one thing, but the the definition is about equality, right? And really thinking about, so feminarchy to me is um, exactly what you're talking about. Not, not about trying to get ahead by fucking somebody else over, but actually about helping others and um, uh, whether on an individual basis or on a more, uh, macro level to to uplift everybody ele elevate everybody like jimmy and rosalind carter yes yeah yes um what is that uh habitat for habitats humanity. for humanity yeah that's i mean like he's what is he like 94 and he's still building houses with cancer got cancer let me build a house what can i say I don't think that Trump is the cause. He is the manifestation of. He's diabolical, though. He, he oh, understands yes. no, no, that. No. I'm aware. I'm he, not saying that he's innocent in all of this. No, all he understands. To place it all on him is, I think, in it, like you have to think about the whole administration. Like his administration is horrible, horrible. But he awful created people. that. Of course. Talk about the swamp. Here's the yeah, deal. He, 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 you know what his guidebooks he were? Dug Mein the swamp and filled it in. He, he read Hitler's Mein Kampf in preparation for this election. Did you know that? Oh, the man is diabolical. You know, but I thought that Osama bin Laden was diabolical. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that we were fragile enough economically, uh, spiritually, uh, culturally, that an event like this would turn us into, and, you know, he's changed our world completely. I mean, it, everything's changed. Everything. And everything seems to be a response to feeling as if the other is going to somehow diminish you mm. as opposed to educate you or enlighten you or, mm. you know, the, there's so many cultures that we can learn from. There's so many women we can learn from. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 
I can't imagine what you must be thinking as a woman. Granted, you said you can't have children, but it's like they're legislating your vagina. Oh, yeah. No. It's just exhausting. So I believe that when you're that kind of mind, Mm -hmm. when you're of my mind, you don't have many options. But the arts, granted, they have their own problems. They have their own hierarchy. They have their own racism, really. But the arts are still about searching for truth. Mm -hmm. Searching for something that speaks to you about the power of kindness and humanity and how we can be better. You know, I have a theory, and I probably express this to you. I believe that in order to survive, humans, no matter what culture, no matter what status, need the following things. Love, food, food and water, shelter, clothing if they're not living in the tropics, and stories. Mm -hmm. And I think stories are huge. When you don't see yourself in a story, you have to extrapolate, as Mm -hmm. we've already discussed. But stories are a survival mechanism. And I think that that's why we gravitate to this work because mm-hmm. it's really, without being billionaires and without being, you know, liberal billionaires right. like Gates or Soros mm-hmm. or whatever, um, we, we can only do what we can do, which is to try to get ourselves and other people to see the beauty in humans, not the threat. I, I agree with you. I agree. And there's actually like work that we could do to help um, better understand how that is happening and why uh, and what's happening in the mind of hearts um, when anybody is actually engaging in, in an artistic experience, whether it's doing or making or watching. Um, you talked about your social, you know, like this is your social justice. What was the thing with the gun control? Oh, your uh, you can have one social issue. Social so issue. Your, your, your life too. I'm curious though, like what, what are your, what are the core values? I've heard you talk about empathy before, but what are like, what are, what's the driving force behind your, your teaching regardless of who you're teaching? <coughs> It's funny you should ask that because I don't know if I have an answer. I think empathy is the most important thing, but when I work with the adult audiences, I want to hear what they made of the play. I think it's extremely unfair to ask an audience to deal with what they just saw minutes after yeah. the curtain call. I think it's like ridiculous because they should go away and think about it. But mm-hmm. I've just really, after 18 years of this, started having them do a turn and talk to a stranger. Mm-hmm. What has stuck with you? What has stayed with you? What are you thinking right now? Which sort of, you know, lubricates mm-hmm. the event. 
or the wheels, so to speak. I don't know why I didn't do it before <laughs> after doing this job for 18 years. Mm -hmm. I think what's important to me is getting people to think, mm -hmm. to get getting people to um, understand what it means to be human on so many different levels. I, you know, Courtney, it always comes back to empathy. It just, mm -hmm. no matter what I think about it, it's like, can you see what it, understand, can you feel what it's like to be that person? You know, it's so easy to be dismissive of a person begging. And I do. I mean, in New York, you get hit up every two minutes, and mm -hmm. I just walk past. But we give to a lot of charities, and mm -hmm. I feel like, Look, if they ask me for food, I will take them into a store and buy them food. Not that they always want it. Mm -hmm. They want the cash. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's panhandling, begging on the street, no. But we give to various organizations that we hope are legit. Yeah. We think are legit. Because, you know, it's tax deductible. No. Because we really care. Yeah, and you find in those causes, like I feel, I, I, I'm really struck by your friend, what was her name? Your friend's, you know, comment about you can only have one. Oh, she's not a friend. She's oh. a famous actress. Shirley oh. Knight. I feel it's Shirley Knight, right, who I don't know. Um, because I feel like I have several and I, it's hard for me to focus. Yeah, you need to choose one I mean, that's most I, important to you and oh. it's the work you're doing, honey. Yeah. You're doing some of the most important work. But, you know, my niece, 25, mm -hmm. she was born in 94, so how old is she? 25. She's on the, she's, she is fighting for Planned Parenthood, mm -hmm. and I am so proud of her. I, I, I mean, she has a blog called the DI um, Do-It-Yourself Feminist. D-I-F. It's brilliant. She's a brilliant young woman, mm. and I'm so proud of her. Um, she, you know, she's like, Planned Parenthood saved my life because mm -hmm. they put her on the pill, and she went nuts. And, you know, she had to figure out that it was, she needed an IUD. And they just, you know, you have to realize when you're being manipulated. Mm -hmm. You have to realize... you. You have, I think what we do is get people to think in creative ways mm -hmm. about what's going on. They may not think exactly in lockstep the way we do, but that's okay. But open up your mind. Mm -hmm. And see, this is why I call the Republicans diabolical. They've made an education impossibly expensive. They've disenfranchised as many voters as they can. They are, excuse my French, sucking the dicks of people. And look, dick sucking is okay by me. I'm gay. But they are literally being whores to the people who are destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. The NRA refuses to legislate some sort of gun control after 
children in an elementary school wait, wait, wait. were slaughtered. Wait, wait, wait. The, the NRA? The NRA has people like Mitch McConnell by the ball. So the lobby, the lobbies of the NRA are controlling the Congre- Congress. Absolutely. The yeah. Republicans mm-hmm. and some Democrats, some I'm Democrats, sure. Definitely. Because our system is so corrupted. Mm-hmm. It is so So corrupted. let me ask you, did you see um, uh, uh, what the Constitution means to me? Oh, God, it was the best thing I saw last year, including Fairview. Uh, I, I, I've seen it twice seen it twice Brilliant. um and my question to you is at the end they uh, have the debate right of whether uh, we keep did the you constitution see that young yeah African who did American you see, girl who did you see t- thursday or rose rose deli rose deli yeah she's great she's genius is she black or latin or i i, I mean she's I thought of she color was, yes I, i'm unclear <laughs> so smart so incredible um so what what do you think? Should we well, like? I are voted are we at ter- a place to like let's abolish it and like start over? That's what I voted for. Yeah. But my audience didn't want to, mm-hmm. and see that's what I think is the problem. So the idea of like incremental change, which is uh, corrupt because of lobbyists and lobby and whatever Citizens campaign, United, Citizens United, whatever. I don't even understand what that is, but that means that you that. Uh, uh, dark money can be right. infused, and Into, there's and no uh, way to uninfuse. Well, no, that the, it's it's just, it, they can get away with giving thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and have a corporate agenda, right? So the corporations are people. That's but, ridiculous, which is unbelievable. They don't pay taxes. Tax, they don't fucking pay taxes. This year. I have paid taxes for the first time in 20 years. You pay, you mean you I had to money. pay. I, I didn't uh-huh. get a refund. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we all got screwed on that. So, They're, you know, and these mm-hmm. people would rather have nothing and hate mm-hmm. than no, understand okay. that they're being manipulated. But, but think, about, think about it. Think about it. This is one thing I really, I'm, I am trying as somebody who would like to think that they're empathetic. I'm trying to understand the Trump supporter because I do want to understand why, why, what is it about this person who continues to make promises that don't actually come to fruition? Why, what is it? They're racists. So, okay. But it can't there be something more than just that they're racist? No. They're, That's it. Well, they're racists. They don't have enough money. They're living paycheck to paycheck, and he has given them a scapegoat. He has given but them a has, scapegoat. But have they, have they even, like, that, that's my point, I think. Is that and they're not does, smart enough to see the truth. Okay, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get away from, like, the not smart. I'm really trying to understand, like, is it that, um, there's a, there's a, some sort of pride that comes with this person is it that there is some hope because if they really looked at their own lives they are not better after two and a half years of this president right like you just said they're pay they're living paycheck paycheck or they've lost their jobs or they w- were promised to get a job and they haven't yet because coal is not coming back you know all these and aren't things aren't they right? mostly white I'm, I'm sure they are but not all of them there's like a percentage of his yeah, supporters that are Cubans not. Yeah, there's some Cubans who 
who, There's who some feel like they people. came in the country legally. It's all bullshit. It's a, I understand. All I'm saying is the rhetoric of like these are two people who are too stupid is not wor- is not helpful in my opinion. I think that like to understand why we are in the quagmire that we are in right now there's got to be more than just they're racist or they're billionaires and they're they're benefiting. I don't there's got to be that. something else though. Well, I guess why, I'm why telling I keep you, saying they, that they, is because they I don't gotta, have and they're being and they're and he's offering them scapegoats. Mm. So the scapegoats get makes their life better? No, it makes them feel like the reason they don't have is because look, how the f- if they were smart, wouldn't they understand that you can't be from Mexico coming in here illegally, mm-hmm. taking your job and being in wealth on welfare at the same time? It's it's an oxymoron. How can you be on welfare and ha- and take somebody's job at the same time? Mm-hmm. It's like they're not thinking it through. It's just easier to hate people. Mm-hmm. So it's lazy. Well, and they also, th- you know, Steinbeck said America is made up of would-be millionaires. They all think they're going to be as rich that's, as Trump someday. That's what it is. That's what I think it is. The would-be millionaires. And he's a like failure the, as a businessman. A, a complete failure. Failure. He's a failure at a human being. That's for God. Well, no, sure. what he is is but- <laughs> he's a diabolical, uh, charismatic, pathological liar. Mm-hmm. Who has used every trick in the book, demonizing the press, demonizing people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have because these people took it from you. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the, the he's problem, stealing everything he can steal. Yeah, but the, the thing that I continue to also And ruining get, the planet. Oh, yeah. No, which no. is the part I don't understand. Th- so this he is has grandchildren. Yeah. Are this they going to live in pots? Because they think they're rich and they're going to be able to, whatever happens. What, colonize the moon? Yes. Yeah, Good luck like that. with that. So so this is what I'm talking about has also, I have too many, I feel like I have too many issues. There's climate control, uh, climate change. There's, um, you know, w- women's health. There's health care, which are connected. There's, um, you know, the, the you know, equal rights. Uh, there's... Um, education, public education. There's the arts. There's, I mean, it just, it just, it doesn't. Can end. I choose there's one gun for control. you? What? Climate change. Focus on climate change right now. Mm-hmm. I ain't got no children. This is the thing I don't understand. Is no, no. I'm not saying that that's not it because it is. But I, that's the thing that really like confuses me is people are having babies they're they're having families and they don't think that they have a responsibility to take care so something that Ty Defoe talks about is like you have to be thinking seven generations ahead and if you're not thinking seven generations ahead then you're not thinking big enough you're not dreaming big enough and you're not preparing for helping those people I I'm sorry but these men and they're white men mm-hmm. are evil. They're evil incarnate. So what and do we I'm do? I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I, <laughs> I wish I had an answer. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can do as a, you know, artist, mm-hmm. or teaching artist, whatever you want to define me as, is to say, wake up and try to understand how you're being lied to every day. Because these men are the problem. 
these men are ruining the planet in the name of greed. They are demonizing people who don't deserve to be demonized to get you to be deflected from their rapacious greed. They are the greediest, I'm sorry, motherfuckers I have ever seen in my lifetime. And I am so enraged by them and their lack of humanity. It's like, really? Really? You're going to sacrifice a whole planet so you can have what? What is it that uh, you another need? Another yacht. What is it? A private island. What is it that you need a that compound? you want to sacrifice an entire planet mm -hmm. for the generations, the seven generations that are about to come? Are you so self-centered and diabolical and greedy that you will do that? I don't get it. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's Greek drama. What it's you whatever it you is, want to call biblical. it. What if there was a rapture? Who do you think would go? <laughs> well, I ain't going. I know that much. Mm -hmm. I ain't going. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I think religion will be the end of us. Mm. I think this is, you know, the religious right against the mostly agnostics or the people who whose religion teaches tolerance. I, I think religion will be the end of us. And my scenario is not a pretty one. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said since Reagan, I'm out if he gets elected. I didn't go. Bush the first, I'm out. I didn't go. Bush the second, I'm out. I didn't go. Trump, I'm out. I didn't go. I promise you, Courtney Body, if this... Diablo gets reelected in 2020, and it seems like he's going to, I am definitely leaving the country. Because even if he loses, I may leave, leave the country because I believe this monster will start a civil war. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be around for it. And also, I don't want to be in this country anymore. Not if I, I have to be agitated every day and mm -hmm. it takes its toll on my body, which it has been. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, through my therapy, I am working diligently to not choose to be enraged every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. I don't watch the news. I can't hear his voice. No, God, no. He is a monster. And I keep saying he's the Antichrist. And isn't it ironic that the evangelicals oh, yep. should embrace him yep, yep, yep. but here's the well, deal well you know I, I saw something recently that the even evangelicals are um starting to get a little upset by his rhetoric because his he language. hasn't built the wall no that uh, about his language that he could be a little bit more um less crass that's not that not you know treating human beings uh or putting them in cages babies in cages like not that but please change your tone oh because jesus wouldn't like your language i, please, <laughs> I don't have any tolerance mm -hmm. i'm really i am intolerant mm -hmm. of these people you know the best bumper sticker i ever saw mm. jesus spare me from your followers oh no it was jesus protect me from your followers mm -hmm. now that's a prayer i could get into <laughs> they have corrupted yeah. every everything he stood for they don't they wouldn't know jesus if he hit them on the head with a 
I would loaf of bread say, and a fish. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, that's there's a story in the Bible. I don't know much, like a lot of Bible stories, but like, I there's tried a to story. read Genesis and it was fucking boring. <laughs> but there's a story in the Bible. I probably know this from God's Bell, so <laughs> go with it. But like, there's a story about how you know there's like a homeless person who asks for money and the person says no. And then there's another person who asks for help and the person says no. And like, there's a couple of people. And then finally he passes and he goes and he meets God. And he's like, God, I've been waiting. He's like, I've been there. When, when I was homeless, you did not help me. When I, when I begged for food, you did not give it to me. And when I, you know, asked for this help, you just walked right by me. So I have seen you all along. I was there. What did you do? You did not have humanity. You did not have compassion or humility or whatever. Um, so I think, I think, it, you know, I don't, I don't know how much I believe in all that does, but I'm just saying like, I do think that, you know, going back to what you were talking about, about empathy, humanity, understanding and thinking and opening up your world. Those are the things that are going to help change the path that we are going down currently, but it's been so corrupted. Mm -hmm. Everything, religion, the government, it's been corrupted. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you do it. You do it on a one on one basis. And we are lucky. We live in a blue state. We don't have to deal with this insanity that's going on in the rest of our country. You know, it's, 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 First of all, the states that are most progressive and most, I want to use the word liberal, but I I realize they made that into a dirty word. They made socialism into a dirty word. Mm -hmm. It's like they've corrupted everything that doesn't allow them to rape and pillage. Everything. They just take and take and take, and nobody seems who follows them seems to see through it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. That's why I call them stupid. Mm-hmm. Look, all I know is that I'm sure there have been worse monsters than Trump. Roy Cohn, does that ring a bell? Do you know who Roy Cohn was? He was yeah. a gay man mm-hmm. who... Isn't he a character in Angels in America? Yes, and he He's led lawyer, the House right? on American activities. Yeah. And, you know, he was in the closet and, mm. and got his comeuppance, I guess. Because he, he prosecuted, what's it? Uh, the uh, Ethel and Julius yeah. Rosenberg mm. sent him to the electric chair. Mm. Look, there will always be monsters. Mm-hmm. But what kills me is when they steal an election. Mm-hmm when they disenfranchise voters, when constitutional law is thrown out the window. You know when I really finally had it? Is when that monster, Mitch McConnell, Mm -hmm. in February of 2016, said, we're not Mm -hmm. going to Mm -hmm. consider Obama's nominee. Mm -hmm. Now, what's that about? No precedent, no nothing. And now, you know, Mm -hmm. when Roe versus Wade comes up or gay marriage again, the deck is stacked. Mm -hmm. So they've, look, didn't I say tonight there's nothing more frightening than a desperate white man? 
I stand by that. They're so desperate to hold on to their power. They're so frightened by anything that takes their power away that they'll do anything to hold on to it. And it's it it's the whole world has moved into a talk, uh, autocratic governments and autocratic leaders mm-hmm. because the wealth is held by such a small percentage. People are scraping by, but they give them a convenient scapegoat. It's the Latins, it's the Mexicans, it's the blacks, it's the this. That's who's taking your money away. That's who's making your life unbearable. That's what's making you live paycheck to paycheck. They're diabolical. And the playbook is right there. Mm-hmm. They, they divide and conquer. It's worth So again, I'm going to ask, like, we see this happening. What do we do? Well, as far as I know, your only option now is to vote in a corrupt uh, system. It's corrupted. Mm -hmm. You don't even know if your vote's going to get counted. I mean, Mm -hmm. what other option do you have? Revolution. But we won't even have a yellow jacket movement here like they had in Paris when the gas prices were outrageous because Mm -hmm. they people know that our police are militarized and they'll get killed. Mm -hmm. We can't even do that. We can't ever. It has to be a revolution. That I think it's a revolution, and a revolution is bloody. People are going to die. And the progressives don't have any guns. Yeah. It's all these. So, okay. So, okay. Okay. Now you're talking. Do we create something like the Black Panthers? Where, again, we're taking this concept of feminarchy, where they they did education, they did housing, they did. uh, you know, uh, did I say education? Yeah, they did education, food. Like they created a community, and they had guns. Well, then I guess we have to. Are we creating? I mean, this is truly what the Second Amendment is about: is a militia. Do we create a militia? I guess we have to if we're going to be up against people who have. Guns. I mean, is this like lame? Is like, is this where we're going? I I don't know, Courtney. All I know is I'm out of here. I'm going to Mexico. Do you want to Mexico? Yeah, why not? I'll build the wall on the other side. Keep you out. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that is part of what the wall is doing is it's keeping us in and them out. Look, it's a. I don't see it. The government is so broken. It's it's like institutionalized corruption Mm -hmm. why do we have a two-party system right so there's another way like maybe that's another thing about like changing up the system we need to have more parties for real yeah yeah and you know it's another reason that i said fuck you bernie after i supported him wow he should have run on a third party Mm -hmm. agreed why did he capitulate he would have won if they gave him the nomination Donna Bazile's book tells you that they fucked him out of that. Mm-hmm. Debbie Wasserman, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So I think he would have won, and we would have been in a... Did you ever see It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. So they show him what life mm-hmm. would be like in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Which That's one what we're we living have? through right now. We're living in the Potter one? Yeah, the Pottersville. Pottersville. Yikes. So I just think that I wish I had an answer for you. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like guns. I don't want to be around guns. I do it in my own little way, which is empathy. But I, it's not going to change anything, really, except maybe a few people's hearts might be affected, mm -hmm. and they might not fall into lockstep with these monsters. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't understand it. I just don't understand greed. Mm -hmm. How much do you need? I live very comfortably. But I, I don't have aspirations for more and more and more. We right. give money to all our relatives. We give as much as we can to charity. We, you know, and we still have a good life. Mm -hmm. We don't live in a palatial state, we, and we don't want to. Right. I mean, we could have had a second home, and I was like, I'd rather just go visit different places on Earth. Yeah. It, it's just, I, I just don't get it. And I don't get how people can be so stupid to believe this propaganda. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the Latin people. I, I think Latin people are some of the kindest people I've ever met. And hard working. I'm going to tell you something. We have a housekeeper because I did house cleaning for 10 years when I was an actor. I worked for an organization called Lendahan. I was sent to apartments that were utter squalor. Mm. And when I was had enough money to pay for somebody to clean my home, I said, this is one thing I don't want to do. And of course, I still clean it because it's never deep, deep cleaning. Mm -hmm. It's a cosmetic, valuable cleaning. Mm -hmm. She comes twice a month. She used to come through an agency. And I said, Alba, how much do you make? She goes, well, how much do you pay them? I said, 90. She goes, they give me half. I go, why don't you come to my house? I'll give you the whole 90. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. You do that. Mm hmm She's been coming to our house six years now. Once, she's from, uh, okay, forgive me. I know it's El Salvador is the capital of San Salvador or the reverse? The reverse. Thank you. So she's from El Salvador, mm -hmm. my country. Mm -hmm. Do you know how she got here? She swam the Rio Grande pregnant at midnight. And do you know why she left her country? Because there was a revolution. She was in a firing squad with her grandfather. What? Holding his hand. And whoever was supposed to kill them looked into her eyes and let them go. So they migrated from, I don't know how they got from El Salvador to blah, 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 to Mexico. Mm -hmm. But when she was old enough, she swam the Rio Grande. All right, now she's working. She has two children. She's a citizen. I mean, you're gonna demonize these people? I can't, I can't, I just can't. I can't. It kills my, my body. I just think about it and I get so twisted in my, I, I don't know how they live with themselves. I don't either. Um, so we I mean, does that make does that make us like? Does that, I keep saying I'm a dinosaur. I hate technology. 
If they introduce another goddamn app over at Roundabout, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. I actually said to somebody, could we just sit and look at each other in the eyes? You know, I have a theory that in two years they're going to pay us to teach people how to have eye contact. Oh, boy. You don't believe this? Uh, well, no, I don't not believe that. <laughs> Professor Courtney, yeah. eye contact 101. <laughs> I got it. Nod and go. Yes. These are eyes. These are eyes. This you is look- a screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've been talking for a long time. Have we've we All barely right. talked about arts, but we've talked about a lot of things that are very interesting to me. I hope I didn't bore everybody to death. Well, I'm getting hungry, are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh so let's let's round out this conversation. Whatever you want, my darling. Um, I wanna talk about again, I'd love for you to try and talk about it through the lens of arts. Okay. Try. I want to know, uh, one, how you have a, a, a granddaughter. Yes. I'm a, I, I was adopted by a child who was adopted by two gay men mm-hmm. in infancy. And one of them has a father. He's one of them is part Mexican and Irish and his Irish father is MIA and has been for a long time. The other one, who's like a Swedish, Norwegian, German mongrel, comes from a fundamentalist family, and they've disowned him. He's uh, like got five sisters or something. So it's uh, my friends. The one who's Mexican and Irish, I'm kind of like a surrogate father, because he'll call me when he's in turmoil. and. I try to give good advice, and I think sometimes I'm successful. The other one is a psychiatrist and very quiet. Their dynamic kind of mirrors mine with my husband. When they adopted Viv, or before they adopted Viv, they asked us to write them a letter. We did, uh, because they have to be vetted. Uh, They thought it would take about a year for a child to become part of their family. They wanted to be parents and within three months a social worker called and said will you take a black child they never even hesitated now I have some issues with transracial adoption I think it's tricky and fraught Mm -hmm. but when Michael calls me and goes Vivian was doing this today or she did that today and um and is in tears I I and says I was I think I've I'm a failure. I go, how did you fail? How did you fail? You took an unwanted child and gave her a home. How did you fail? Her mother chose you out of a book. How did you fail? Well, she just, I go, no, no. You're her parent, and this is forever. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think Michael engineered this for Burke and I to be grandpa and grandpa. She calls me Grandpa Ted. He's Grandpa Burke. And you should, you would love all the subscribers' heads swiveling when this black girl from the back of the house goes, Grandpa Ted! (laughs) (laughs) Image of the swivels. Mm -hmm. Head swiveling. And the quizzical Mm -hmm. looks Mm -hmm. like, 
your grandfather? Yes, I was adopted by my granddaughter. So you just talked about how Viv from the back of the house is asking questions. So this this young lady who's beautiful and smart. Thank you. Ugh, I had nothing to do with it. Love. Except I, I, I do give her love. love. And sometimes I give yeah. her shit because the other, well. when they came down to visit us in Costa Rica, because we rented a place in Costa Rica where we were snowbirds for a month last year. And on the, you know, public school break, because Michael's a public school teacher, they came down for six days. We invited them. We had the, the space. And she did something, and then I, I, told, I said something to her about, I don't like this behavior. And she gave me such a look of contempt. Michael said, we get that 13 times a day. I just, I wasn't having it. And I really let her have it. I said, listen, Vivian. And I started to cry. I love you. But you will get much further exchanging contempt for gratitude and no for yes. She hated me for about two months. But then we took her to Mean Girls for her birthday and she liked me again. Everything is fine. Burke, she loves Burke. Mm. Burke is like, Burke, whenever we've been like, why are you doing Heimer? And he would say, leave her alone. To the three of us. Mm. Well, two of us. Michael and I are cut from the same cloth. Calvin and Burke are very quiet. And, you know, they go inside. But Burke has always protected her from our like, don't do that. And when I let her have it, he went, she's 12. And I'm like, so? He goes, she's 12. Mm -hmm. And he adores her and she adores him. Like, we were in Provincetown for family week once. (laughs) And she was crying because she didn't have a cell phone and she was crying her eyes out she was like what nine ten Mm -hmm. she turned to me and she said how old were you when you got your cell phone i said 57 (laughs) (laughs) wrong question (laughs) hilarious but whenever she feels We've treated her unfairly. She crawls right into Burke's lap. And I love seeing that. I mean, he is so gentle and so sweet and so unjudgmental and so, you know, you know, he's like a walk-in. He's like a little angel that walked in. I mean, I swear to you, I don't know how he survives because he's oblivious. (laughs) But... She gets him, and he gets her, and mm. it's lovely. But yes, I have a granddaughter. Did you ask me a question I about her? I didn't yet. Oh, I'm, I'm so barely sorry. hosting here. I, That's crazy. Um, my question is, <laughs> arts. How is she engaged in arts? And <laughs> and what do you want for her? In terms of arts engagement and and just, you know, for her and okay. her life. Well, it's funny you should ask that because I just reached out to the principal at Repertory High School mm-hmm. where she's auditioning. Oh. Um, and it's, and asked for help. Like, what, what should she do? Mm-hmm. And he gave, and I sent it on to her parents. Mm-hmm. 
because we have a presence in that school. And I thought, I perfect. Use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Viv has the discipline to be in this business, but if she wants it, I want her to have it. First of all, if she goes into the to a school that has an arts focus over there, they not only have academics, they also have singing, dancing, mm-hmm. and acting. Mm-hmm. See, I believe it's the best education for anybody because it teaches you all these, you know, work life skills. Mm-hmm. So workplace readiness skills, collaboration, um, creativity, everything, everything, everything. So no matter what she goes in, what I want for Viv is for her to realize what a good life she's had. And she has met all of her half siblings. Three are still with her birth mom. Another one was adopted, who's only a year younger or older than Viv, who's very quiet and different from Viv. She's met them all. She found them. Mm. You know, we didn't encouraged that she found them on the internet that her dad's made it happen i asked her you know how it made her feel she won't talk about it but i i think she gets what a i'm going to use the p word privileged life she's had she's been seeing broadway i've taken her to everything mm-hmm. i just took her to tony stone forgetting how sexual some of it was mm. she loved it i mean viv is a complicated young woman when she was five i had her on a bus and she said grandpa to being adopted is hard i said honey being gay is hard (laughs) i said being alive is hard i said you know viv a lot of us had our birth families and we didn't like them at all being adopted is hard I'm sure it is. One time I had her and she was so miserable. I said, why are you so unhappy? Just tell me why are you so unhappy? But I treat her like an adult. Look. Like my husband, I would kill for Viv. But I I worry. I mean, she's a black girl. She's gorgeous, but still, she's a black girl. What 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 is going to happen? How are people going to treat her if she goes into the business? Will she work? Will she have the discipline? I mean, God knows she could be a model if you know anybody ever saw her. But that life is hellish too. I just want her. Here's what I want for her. I want her to be happy and to understand that. Yes, it's traumatic to be given up, and yes, there's abandonment issues. And yes, even her mom said to her birth mom when they met, like last September, she said, I'm sure you're angry at me. I'm sure you're really mad at me. But, you know, I just hope, I know this is not so much about her, but I hope I'm alive to see her have the epiphany of what a good life she had. And and these four gay men lavished her with love Mm -hmm. and want her to succeed. I mean, Viv is a, she's complicated and she's her own woman. Mm -hmm. She's a strong black woman and you are not going to tell her what to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I've heard her say once after I've said, you know, Viv, yes, I know. And I think to myself, okay, you can lead a horse to water. You know, 
she reads certain things. She doesn't like nonfiction. We give her gift certificates. You know, it's, she likes these Japanese books. That Japanese bookstore. I just sent. I told you. Did I tell you this? Mm-hmm. She. Uh, she just went to camp. Mm-hmm. She went with a friend of hers. So every year, because you have to do it the first week, she goes for two weeks. Mm-hmm. She want. We sent her gummy sharks. That's what she wanted. This year she wanted Skittles. And she has a phone. I don't think she can access the internet, but she can text. And she said, you know, Grandpa Ted, when you send me those Skittles, do you think you could put a teddy bear in there too? I'm like, oh, you're so young and so old at the same time. You're 13, but you're really three. So, of course, we put a teddy bear in there and a big box of Skittles, like enough for the whole camp. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being a grandparent is expensive, I'll have you know. <laughs> but I want her to succeed. That's mm-hmm. all. I just want her to succeed. I want her to be happy. I want her to understand that we love her. And we'll do whatever it takes to help her mm-hmm. make her way in this world, which is a little bit more complicated. You know, I once said to her father, why can't she just go outside and run around like we did? He goes, are you crazy? Child services would be on my back in a minute if I let her outside running around. Like we used to play in the streets. Yeah. Now if they see a kid outside without parental supervision, they call child services. It's crazy. But of course we lived in, you know, different times. We yeah. left our front door open. Yeah. It feels like she has had enough um interaction with the arts, engagement in the arts that it uh that it's obviously permeated. So much so that she's thinking about going to a performing arts and school. And she sings really well. So she sings and she dances. And she did too, well, right? she was in ballet. Mm. She has beautiful posture, unlike her grandfather. Um, what I have to say though is I don't know if she has the discipline but then again I, as I said well, that's fine I mean yeah. again it's more about you're listening to, or the family is listening to what it is that she's and supporting what she's saying absolutely she like I do. mean I don't know that she'll pay any attention to anything we say I mean my husband <laughs> teaches Meisner at American Academy mm-hmm. he's an acting teacher mm-hmm. I've coached more than my share of people on mm-hmm. their auditions does she ask us for help no, no. So all I can say is that if she gets in, great. If she doesn't get in, I hope she's not destroyed. I mean, you know, I just you want her to she's be happy. Strong, of course. I think, it, one, she probably, she's very aware of how loved she is. You're absolutely right that there must be some underlying issues there that whether she deals with them or not, that will come up in different ways. But she knows that she's loved. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, yeah. I'm sure she's sick of gay men. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, did, I, I, Maybe. well, you remember that time I put all the black women together to yeah. go to the Ethiopian uh-huh. restaurant from here? Uh-huh. Because I was like, she needs to meet some black women. This is definitely going to be the last question. But what do you wish your legacy to be? <sighs> Thank you.
that I was a good husband. And that I gave as much love as I got from my partner, Burke. And that, because I think I know I affected people's lives. You know, young people will recognize me and go, Mr. Saad, you had me in the fourth grade. I don't know who they are, because they're like 16, 17, 20. I don't remember them. You had me for playwriting. I don't know their name. I just go, oh, did you have a good time in that class? You have to remind me your name because I'm old now and I can't remember anything. So I know I have affected, I mean, for a two-week residency, for a kid to remember that after he's grown up mm -hmm. is kind of remarkable. Mm -hmm. So I don't really worry about that legacy because I know I did some good work. But I had so many issues growing up. I came from such a dysfunctional family that when my husband gave me unconditional love, I didn't know what it was, and I fought it. And I still do. And sometimes I say things that are just wrong. I mean, I test him all the time. You can't possibly love me because no one's ever loved me unconditionally. Pushing him away, and he won't go away. And, oh, God just love that I love it and I'm perplexed by it but I just hope that I've been as good to him as he's been to me because quite frankly he's the best thing that ever happened to me and nothing else matters and I I'm in it I'm once we got married and I said for better or for worse I meant it it's you know mortality is not pretty and I don't know who's going to go first. I mean, he's not HIV positive. A lot of us are surviving much longer because of the drugs, but a lot of us are also, you know, getting weird cancers. I don't have one, but yet. So we'll see. I mean, I want my legacy to be somebody who and even though I can't do it with my brothers yet, I just can't go there. They have been so vindictive in some ways, especially my little brother, who I really cared for. Um, I do want to be known for somebody who, who, who loved and who was capable of, of loving I think that's what I want my legacy to be. Is that too simple? It's beautiful. Is it? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do, girl. I guess I'm supposed to love Trump too, right? Mm. I'm supposed to love people who don't see things my way. Mm. If I'm really a follower of Christ, love thy neighbor, love thy enemy. Aren't you? Isn't that part of the Bible? I believe so. I mean, right now, I'm just, I've been, 
you know, I didn't take care of myself for a while and I'm exercising every day. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep my weight under control because I could, I, I mean, I could eat everything in sight if I wanted to. I, I love food. I, I'm, it's a sensation. Taste is really pronounced mm -hmm. a sense for me. Um, I'm trying to stay focused. I've written a play. I'm trying to get people to read it. I'd love to be in it. We'll see. I have to look after the people I love. You know, I sent my niece some money because they had just moved. They were doing Teach for America in Memphis. Come and visit us. That's the South. <laughs> <laughs> now they're in Philly. I'll go visit them. Um, you know, I just want my nephew, who, who is completely apolitical, who I really also have a lot of respect for. Even though I have a hard time with their father, I really and truly think he's did a, he and his wife have done a brilliant job with these children. Mm. Uh, my nephew is doing Bitcoin and oh. making a living. Oh, Not that anybody understands it. But there you go. Cryptocurrency. Well, he w yes, and there he went to Duquesne in finance. Oh, and so and he's living in Pittsburgh. So they're both. Even so, so let me because I've I've heard you talk about your niece. I'm not your nephew so much, but I've heard you talk about your niece. So these are the my, children of your my older younger brother, brother younger who brother. I I had to stop speaking to because it was. But he's okay with you being friends with or being in, in the lives of the, his children. Well, I don't think that he has a choice. Well, no, I'm just We've been I'm very curious. generous to both those kids. Mm -hmm. And I think my brother appreciates it, as I know my sister-in-law does, who I still talk to, mm. who is the executor of my will. Because oh. the kids will get it. Yeah. If I survive Burke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, look, family issues are very tricky. Mm -hmm. And I... It was self-preservation. I I just, I couldn't. Yeah. My brothers still see me as a teenage gay man, and I uh, I can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. They don't get it. Right. They don't get me. They don't get it. And and, I, and like you said, that you have to, at a certain point, you need, like, the people that you've, you, your family, right? You've chosen the people that you can interact with yeah. and for for you and for them to be able to exchange love. And if there are people who are blockers or crazy makers or whatever, you know, term you want to put to it, then you have to do what you have to do to cut them out. Um, and you're better for it in certain ways. I have my biological family. Mm -hmm. I really relate to, and then I have Burke's family mm -hmm. who, who have been very embracing, except there's one who's a Republican who I fight with all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I have my sister-in-law and my niece and nephew, and we've been as supportive as we can to the kids mm -hmm. monetarily, mm -hmm. and um, we will continue to be if we can afford it. And uh, I have my gay family. Mm -hmm. I have Viv and her two dads. They're my gay family, mm -hmm. and that's. I spend more, much more time with them mm -hmm. because it's it, 
I feel more of a part of them, and I think there's more mutual respect and understanding and largesse. What can I say? But I always felt that way. I never felt part of that family. Mm. I kept, I was like, what am I doing mm-hmm. here? You know, I saw a baseball game when I was three. I had to bring myself to New York. I was two and a half hours away in Pennsylvania. And I saw my first Broadway show when I was 20. For a person who wanted to be an actor, yeah, that's yeah. kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But they didn't have any interest. Right. So and did I persevered. Well, I I certainly don't re- regret anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think why would I regret anything? I have a man who loves me completely, unconditionally. Do you know what unconditional somebody said, Oh, did I write this in the play? Unconditional love is impossible unless you're a dog. Everything's yeah. conditional. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that with my husband. My husband's been the best thing to happen to me. Mm. And I'm lucky. I, 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 I just feel lucky. I just don't understand why people can't be more generous to people who don't have. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? It's like if you have so much, why can't you be generous? I don't I don't get it. Be generous. Give. If you have it, give. I I have some. I don't have mega, mm-hmm. but I still give. Give. I don't know. Is there as we're wrapping up? Is there anything else that you want to say or ask me? I do, and I hope it's not going to make you angry (laughs) because it's provocative. Okay. I'm going to do it. I've been told by a number of black women who are teaching artists here that you are harder on them. Hmm. Is that true? A number of them? That I'm harder on them. That you hold them to a higher standard of excellence than you do some of the white people. I think that they think that. But do you, can you understand their perspective? Do you think that's true? No. All right. I'm just bringing it up. I've heard it from three. I'm not naming names. So I don't can ask. T- I I'm not going to ask you, but I already know who they are. <laughs> and I, I would say that they, I think they think I am. Uh, but that's not that's not the way I operate. All right. And they don't know. They don't actually know because they don't have conversations with every like they I don't I'm not they're not in the room when I'm talking to each and individual person. Right. But it's interesting to me. I just needed to. I, I hope you weren't unsettled by that but i needed to ask you and i thought to myself if she asked me to ask her a question i'm gonna ask her that Oh, okay because i think it's fascinating mm-hmm. do you have you ever had an experience of a black woman being hard on you probably was your mom hard on you 
No, my mom was like Burke. Unconditional love. My dad was a little harder. Do you think it's prevalent that black people are harder on some black people? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it happens. Have you experienced it outside of your family? Um, Like you had a black professor or a black friend who challenged you in a way that they may not necessarily have uh, had to be? Mm, women, specifically, or just black well, person? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a woman-to-woman. Woman. I saw it as a black-to-black black thing, okay, not black a woman-to-woman thing, but it could be both. Yeah. I mean, there was a woman who worked here uh, at one point and she sort of pulled me aside and was like, you need to like step up and or you need to like be careful about how people are perceiving you. Was that valuable? Um, I took it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I am who I am, you oh, know, yeah. and so you can't really I kind change of, that. Yeah. But when Somebody plants a seed. Mm -hmm. It it could be valuable. Yeah. If you can hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think she was trying to help. But I think she also had a very specific um, point of view on on the ways of the inner workings of of an organization that I didn't necessarily um, either a want to like what's the word like. kowtow to i guess uh succumb succumb yeah (laughs) and to you know we were very different people so her perception of professionalism didn't quite match what my perception of professionalism looks like in terms of her advice i mean well you've you've given me some good advice Mm mm-hmm I mean, you've asked me to consider certain things in my practice mm-hmm. that I hadn't been considering. But you've also been very supportive, too. I think mm-hmm. you've been very... I think you've been very supportive of me. You know you know why I stopped teaching here? I told you guys. I started getting Social Security checks. Yeah. And it was the year that they were in austerity. Mm-hmm. And I had taught with Marisol, who I adore. Mm. And I could see how she was struggling. And I thought, you can't take that money from a kid like that. You're getting money. So don't. I, I needed the money when I was working here. Mm-hmm. But I also loved having a different perspective. Right. And I, you know, I like being a teaching artist. I mean, a couple of times when I was teaching hip hop, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Thank God I was with a black person because they got it. I mean, I was like, am I doing this okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I still listen to the Supremes. Let's put it that way. So, and that's hardly hip hop. Well, it was the beginnings of it. Well, they they had brilliant songwriters. Holland, Dozier, and Holland Mm -hmm. were wonderful songwriters. I had every 45, I had every, I had an autographed LP that got destroyed in a flood, and I just sold it on eBay because, you know, you can't play the record. And it was autographed. My Uncle Teddy, who I'm named after, was a stagehand at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. And it, and Diana, Flo, and Mary all signed it. Oh, wow. And I sold it. 
But you know what? When you hit 68 and your husband's 78, you start yes. getting rid of shit. Hey, listen, I, I, there's no judgment here. No, but I'm just some saying, people like, go, you sold that. I would have bought but, it. But, you know, like just to go back to like the kind of support that you give, I give or want to give to the teaching artists. No matter is, what color. They no are. matter what. Uh, it, it really is about growth. So while it can feel like I may be hard on somebody and the perception to them is I'm harder on them than other, anybody else, it really is about being successful, not only here, but in their practice. Let me ask you something. Go ahead. Would you consider in the future, if you're talking to another black woman, mm -hmm. saying, you might perceive this as me being hard on you because I'm a black mm. woman, you're a black woman, but that's not what this is. I might. Good. Because I think it could lessen the impact. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you know what black women go through and they want every ally they can get. Right. And that I that I can understand is that if, as you know, as much as we work here to create a full ensemble that the staff, there's some sort of we're trying to blur those lines of us versus them. But I can I could see certain scenarios where one would say, oh, you've created that line. And that's when I'm giving critical feedback. And that's something I do for everyone. Period. Oh, I know. You gave it to me. <laughs> exactly. But I didn't think you were giving it to me because you were a black exactly. woman. Exactly. And nor was I doing it for them because they were a black woman. Well, you get it. But yeah. You get what I'm saying. So I get exactly what I'm you're so saying. I'm so glad you weren't ticked. <laughs> No, I thought, I thought you know, it's I've an heard interesting this from three people, and I think I'm going to bring it up mm -hmm. if I have the opportunity. And I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity. Well, and then I you have. said, you and have a question. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending well, this much time. Me. Oh, please. It was, I don't feel like I ever get to talk to anybody this way. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Love you. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 33, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Ted Saad, introspective dramaturgy. Join us next time for a conversation with Daniel Levy. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Jonna Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the brand new pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry, the gram at teaching artistry with CJB, and now on YouTube. Check out the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch the latest video series, We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.